Hi, welcome to the Liberal Sherpa Podcast. I'm Kathy Aru, your host of the Liberal Sherpa Podcast, where I'm living the quarantine life, looking out my window at a strange man with a towel on his head in a kiddie pool. <laughs> Sorry, but you know, it's the new normal. I keep hearing new normal, so I figured I'd describe what I'm looking at while I talk to you. So, uh, yeah, I'm Kathy Aru. Maybe you've seen me on Fox News debating the who's who. Uh, definitely not the man outside with the towel on his head. Oh, and some interesting woman walking by in a bikini. No, no, that's irrelevant. I uh, wrote for the Washington Post magazine as a contributing editor for 12 years. I uh, am the founder of Catalina Magazine, a magazine founded 18 years ago to break the stereotypes of Latinas in the United States. Um, Gosh, I've been on Fox News uh, debating Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and others that um, you know and love. So, yeah, Tucker Carlson calls me the liberal Sherpa because I guide so many into the liberal mindset. But these days, it's not about that. It's, um, It's about living our our life to the fullest in um, this new way. And I am interviewing people that matter the most, that give us answers that we need to hear. So please enjoy the Liberal Sherpa podcast. And um, I will enjoy my view from my quarantine life. Hashtag quarantine life. Thanks. On today's episode, I'm interviewing... uh, Matt Wall Street, which is exactly how I have his uh, name in my on my phone, my iPhone. So when I need a source with everything financial, I just text or call Matt Wall Street. And um, most of my sources are known by their specialties on my phone. So if you see something like treasury or nuclear weapon or things like that on my iPhone, know that it's serious and important. And please don't call unless it's um, an emergency. So, yeah, we're going to talk to Matt Wall Street today about the economy because we all need money. What the heck is going on during this coronavirus? Where's the money? Okay, Matt's going to help us. Let me call. So, we're going to call Matt my um, amazing source for all things money and Wall Street. I've got questions. Hello? Hey, is this Matt Pario, the finance IQ um, guru, CEO, genius? Is that correct? Is that correct? Uh, I don't know about the genius part, but uh, the finance IQ and my uh, last name are the same. So, uh, yeah. Um, so thanks for the uh, introduction. Hey, no, thanks for, um, you're, you've always been my behind the scenes source, but thank you for coming out um, out into the light for the second time on my podcast, uh, because as my friend Joe Borelli, who's a councilman in New York calls it, it's um, Corona Aldeona. That's his new, uh, he was on Cavuto yesterday, and that's his uh, little motto now, Corona Aldeona. That's all we're thinking about. Um because we're living the quarantine life. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a twenty four hour uh, um, you know issue that uh, you know really pervades everything that we're doing: social, business, personal, um, economic, um, health. I mean it's it's really uh, 
um, is sort of omnipresent. So that's, uh, that's actually a pretty clever name. Yeah. <laughs> he's a clever guy. He's a pain in the neck. He's doing everything by Skype. So now it's actually, we don't, um, we don't have to, I don't have to sit next to him and roll my eyes anymore. So that, that's, that's actually the one perk that came out of this one. Um, well, do it virtually. Yeah, right. I don't have to do a cavuto and, and sit next to uh, Joe um, Joseph Borelli making fun of me, and um, I won't let him know that I mentioned him in this podcast. But uh, so okay, so it's funny. Uh, it's hilarious actually, the, because we spoke uh, before, and it was um, at the begin at the beginning. I guess it was back in March. Yep. And it was um, it it was at a time when everything was kind of new. And um, I had just had uh, former HHS secretary, uh, Governor Mike Levitt, explain the virus itself, the pandemic, like the <laughs> definition of a pandemic. Then um, the next week, I, it was still the, the coronavirus. I was like, wow, it's still a topic. And now we were worried about the economy. And you were just answering basic questions. We supply chains, like just basic stuff. Remember, and you said small businesses may suffer. It was so vague. And then um, I caught the darn thing. And uh, a lot of us did, turns out. A lot of us caught this uh, coronavirus. Um, and it knocked us out. It knocked me out for a couple of weeks. And then um, here we are, uh, all living a quarantine life. It's, it started. Yeah, it, it started. It, it, it's very surreal, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm glad to, to hear you're on the recovery from that, Kathy. I was so um, upset to hear that you had that, and being in the metro New York area, um, I have uh, a number of friends and, and family members who have had it. Um, luckily, they're they're all on the mend, but um, you know, but the uncertainty and the uh, and the fear is still out there. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, when you get it, you just don't know. Uh, you know, the governor said we recover, you know, like over 90 percent. I think it was a higher number recover. Uh, but that's not what you hear about. Like, I think today they reported 42,000 deaths. Um, yeah. And as a small business owner, I I got sick. I got sick. I, I wasn't able to uh, I, I wasn't able to go to Fox. I wasn't able to uh, function for a whole week. I couldn't function. So, yeah, and, and as a small, you know, business owner, you know, uh, no matter what size you are in terms of the small business category, whether you're a sole proprietor, whether you have, you know, two to ten employees or up to even a hundred, um, the magnification of people's roles and their impact on, you know, work and what their contributions are is is uh, is greatly felt, and and any disruption to that is uh is magnified in 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 many ways so any time that you know somebody is taken um sort of out of the picture in terms of work or can't work or there's an impediment for any number of reasons that we've seen to uh to operate it has a um you know it has an immediate and severe impact yeah and um and well everyone was looking for a time frame but i think right now uh everyone's looking for the money it's uh you yeah. know like uh, show show me the money the money the money the money because uh 51 so 51% right if correct me if i'm wrong 51% of um uh the our economy is made up of uh small businesses right small businesses make up of 51% of um of our economy 
And, yeah, and, and it's, it's, yeah. it's roughly you know fifty to sixty percent, um, depending on what definition you use, is made up of of small businesses, not um, you know not the global corporations or, or certainly not the Fortune five hundred, but um, you know businesses that are run by you know usually companies that have a hundred or less people. Okay, and what 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 are the what are the loans that you had recommended um, when it first came out? The stimulus. What was the size of the stimulus package? Do you remember the exact number? Um, I, I think they started out with uh, I think it was either two fifty or or, or three hundred billion dollars, um, and they had a number of of, uh, of different programs that you know watching that from the very beginning when it opened up. Um, sort of changed as not the weeks went by, but the days went by in terms of what you had to supply, who you went through, because, for instance, the PPP, the, the uh, payroll protection program, was you know through uh, banks. Um, they tended to be um, favoring people who use those banks as their business banking, even though it was backed by uh, the government and the SBA. Um, and that money, as we've seen, you know, certainly in the last uh, couple days uh, more, uh, you know, more sharply, that that initial money has run out. That wasn't supposed to happen, though, right? It, it wasn't supposed to run out, didn't they say that it was going that so PPP was the one that was recommended for for payroll so that small businesses could keep their employees. Correct. Um, small businesses could keep their employees. Um, you know, the formula for it was, um, you know, two and a half months of, uh, payroll expenses, um, to be provided for. And if those were used for those reasons, it was more of a grant than a loan. It was forgiven. Um, I think the number that, that first came out, you know, the, the several billion dollars um, was just a, you know, a, 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 first, um, a first placement of, of saying that we're going to put some money aside without having any idea, um, which is, to me, a bit naive, I think, because these are, again, unprecedented times and, and people are very worried more so about the uncertainty, the timing, the response, the um, everlasting effect that it's going to have on business, on what the demand for that was going to be. And if you read any um, you know, news articles or any media from any banks or the SBA themselves, you hear continuous stories about technical glitches or that um, the loan you know, had to be resubmitted because it was lost or it wasn't done properly. And as a result, a lot of the, a lot of the businesses that were in need of this um, initial money, and again, not many companies will carry cash or, or have cash equivalents for, you know, more than a month or six weeks. They need this as soon as possible. For the time being, that money has run out. Now, my understanding from the very beginning was that this was an initial amount that was going to be presented, and I think it was it was fairly well thought out behind it that you know this isn't going to actually solve the problem that there is going to be more money available, and as we speak, they apparently 
are making moves to make more money available. All of the news that I've gotten from the banks that I deal with have said, yes, the initial amount has run out, although we expect to get more in for this program. Really? So so on a side note, you deal with um, your you deal with these banks. You're you are a Wall Street guy. You're on the front lines when it comes to finances. You talk to banks. That's what that's what you do. You talk to banks and you talk to investors, right? Correct. And what what are the investors for small business? Are inv- I'll, I want to know more about the programs, but investors. So I'm a small business. This isn't a really good time for me to call an investor, is it? Right. Well, I mean, you know, an investor in your company or an investor to, um, uh, you know, to actually use your your services. Um, well, I don't know. Like, what's your your world is investors? They they invest in um in in you right? Don't you deal with Europe and you're, you're international? Aren't they international? Yeah, yeah we, we we deal with all um, international products um, in all the different asset classes. Um, stocks, bonds, uh, commodities, you know, oil being, you know, sort of the, the topic of the day, um, as well as, as, as foreign exchange. Um, and, you know, in terms of people's investment portfolios, and I'm not talking traders or opportunists or people who make their living by transacting in the economy, but people who are you know, looking for solid investments or looking to maintain the, you know, the, the, the basis of their portfolios. These are, these are very, you know, very hard times because the volatility and the, the movement in the markets on a daily basis is, uh, is unprecedented. So what we're telling our investors um, is that, you know, listen, we're seeing volatility, both big drops and big gains, which are all either, you know, headline driven or, you know, political maneuvering driven um, types of reactions. But that, you know, in the and again, I don't want to put a timeline on this, but, you know, I say I would say, you know, sometime in the next month, in the month of May, we're going to have a little bit more clarity about, you know, where the damage has been done, where we can finally, you know, sort of see some value and, you know, what to do from there in terms of investing. But I think that right now, you know, again, unless you're an actual trader or a speculator, um, to be an investor in these markets is, uh, um, is very tricky and very dangerous. I mean, just look at, um, what happened to oil? I mean, yeah. that is a unprecedented move. Yeah. That, so the headline is, and and which uh, is, I explain this to me. They say for the first time in history, uh, oil trade dropped below zero, where people almost, or, or they literally, are paying to get oil off their hands. Yeah, they are. I mean, you have to remember with um, something like. Um, oil is a commodity and the physical oil itself there are costs to transport it to store it um to maintain it that people who are you know not really needing any more of it um are paying other people to take it off of their hands because they don't want to pay for the the storage they may not have the capacity for it and so you're seeing something that 
again, traditionally has been a, um, you know, a, a tremendous impetus to the economies and, and, and how oil prices would change and how that would affect, you know, really global um, right. industries and global markets dropping below zero for the first time. Um, I think that's even more shocking than some of the, you know, talk of us going to negative interest rates. We're already seeing that in Europe, and they're talking about that here as well. So, yeah, because you had, a, like, OPEC in the 70s. We, we you know, you heard about OPEC. Oil's always been uh, associated with money, 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 right? Like uh, the Green Acres? Was it that the, the old um, sitcom where they, they found oil in the backyard? Or? No, that was, uh, that was the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, the Beverly, <laughs> the Beverly Hillbillies. Okay, I'm sorry. So, uh, so uh, I, as I like to say, before my time. But, uh, so they, 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 the pitchfork in the backyard, the oil goes up in the in the air, and it's like, honey, we're rich. Right. So now no, those days are like, oh, darn, we got to pay someone to get this off our hands? Well, they, they, they always talk about oil as being black gold and oil being an actual commodity that, you know, is... You know, is, is a useful commodity, something that you need um, not only as, as fuel for, but for the different components that are broken out from oil for all aspects of of the economy. And there's such an imbalance now, um, and, and you have to think about this over time, over near-term demand and near-term supply versus what is anticipated to be um, the demand and the supply in the future. Right now. In today's market, we have too much supply, so nobody, you know, nobody wants to store it. Nobody wants to have that on hand right now. So that's why you see the the price go negative. Um, if you want to store oil and you have the facility and you have the capabilities to um, maintain it, which is not free, um, you know, you get you're essentially getting paid to take it. Oh my! So 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 life as we know it has changed. When it um when talking about oil, which is weird, um, yeah, that's, well, yeah, that's, that's weird. That's a new one for me, and you know, in a way, it's not entirely surprising. Although it is a bit shocking to see that for the first time, because we've seen such a tremendous fall um, in oil over the last couple weeks um, that you know, in, in in many ways, this is uh, you know, this is the end result for it. Um, I think I think it's the end results, um, but we've seen it drop, you know, so quickly and, and so um, furiously that um, not only is there um, an effect on oil due to the you know, the lack of demand in commerce and the slowdown in the economies, but also the you know the, the geopolitical tensions and you know and the supplies that are available. Well, yeah, I mean, countries are, are broken or made with oil, right? Uh, Brazil, um, I remember years ago, uh, they, they with their fracking off the right off the coast, that they said they could find oil, and Brazil became a big power player on the global scene, right? Venezuela with their oil, yeah, um, you know, yeah, so. certainly the certainly the Middle East, and of late, um, you know, the U.S. with the with the stores of oil that right. that we have, um, North Dakota, it, uh, right? North yeah. Dakota's a big um, oil state they, they they're never affected by anything the housing market crash of 2008 didn't even touch them no they're uh they're they're fairly insular but um but you know it, it certainly affects um you know the industries down in texas um you know the refineries there um you know cities such as houston are, are you know 
built around you know the oil industry and the different products that are a part of it. Um, so it is having its effect um, in addition to you know the overall economic impact of this pandemic, which is you know just a singular part of the overall picture. So this, to me, being a market observer for thirty five years, um, and I always uh, you know I always say I've seen everything, but. You know what? I have a feeling I haven't seen everything, and this was uh, this was something I didn't uh, I didn't see coming. Um, certainly not negative oil. Um, some of the other things, such as you know negative interest rates or you know these uh, great swings in uh, in the stock markets or cuts in rates or um, some of the economic statistics that have been historic. You know, you can sort of see coming, but for me as a market observer, this was a new one. Wow, and um, and 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 you were supposed to predict everything correctly the last time I interviewed you. So this is quite a disappointment, really. Well, you know, if I had a uh, yeah, yeah, if I had a crystal ball, Kathy, I don't think we'd be talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. You're always you're a mysterious man, so um, you do have to keep some secrets. But uh, you revealed that you actually didn't know this one. So this is what's interesting. I think the big political topic um of the day, which I it's awful that it's political. But it's reopen America, right? Reopen, reopen. And um, Georgia, which uh, CNBC, uh, Jim Cramer, Mad Money uh, Cramer, uh, who owns two restaurants, I have to say, that's a disclaimer he should have given. He owns two restaurants in Brooklyn. He is all for let's let's open. Let's open things up. That came out today. He thinks the biggest story is that Georgia is going to experiment with its population and open up, open up uh, the the economy a little bit. Movie theaters, um, open up restaurants, open up. Uh, it's the first state to do it. So basically, the governor's yeah. taking a gamble there, and uh, Jim Cramer thinks it's the biggest story of of the day. Well, you know, it's it's a story that has people's attentions because we've been seeing the the different protests uh, among the different. Uh, you know, uh, among the different states that are represented on both sides of the aisle where people are, you know, they're scared, they're frustrated, they're, um, they're angry. Um, they're not, you know, unless they've had the disease or have seen it or have somebody close to them who's had it or died, it's not right in front of them. So they're not, you know, they're not fully appreciating, I think, you know, how deadly or how um, um, how deadly this could be going forward. And for a lot of people, they're saying, you know, this, in a sense, is one trade-off versus another. Um, or are we going to sit around and watch, you know, some people die while we all practice social distancing and quarantining? Or are we all just going to let the economy go into the ocean without at least trying to do something to stem the tide and a lot of the discussion around is okay certainly you know the essential jobs that you know the, the frontline healthcare workers the nurses the doctors um, and the other professionals are needed but then what else can be opened and what else can be um, uh, you know available for you know people to go to and work um, and I guess, in a sense, see what happens. See, the problem I have with that is that it is sort of a, okay, let's try this and see what happens. 
But the see what happens part is people's health and people's lives. And, and that's the thing that, that bothers me to some extent. People can say, you know, I, I need to do this and, and, you know, hopefully the, the SBA will come out with, um, and I think they will, you know, their second round of funding that can help these people. But, you know, when you're dealing with people's health and you're dealing with people's lives, that those are some pretty, uh, those, those, to me, those are some pretty high stakes. Um, and, you know, but if, even if, if people, if, even if people are willing to do it, um, you know, sometimes you have to protect people from themselves. So I, you know, I don't know if I'm in, uh, if I'm in favor of, of doing that. I think that, you know, something perhaps better thought out, um, in terms of getting the economy going in other ways, um, you know, through the, you know, the use of technology and the use of our, our virtual connections that I think a lot of people are using anyway is more along the way. But what I really don't want to see, Kathy, is this, is that there's been a lot of talk about what type of recovery are we going to have? Right. Is it going to be a V-shaped recovery? Are we going to go down and go right back up? Okay. Well, you know, I, I think depending on your timeline, you could say that, you know, that will happen or won't happen. I think it's less likely to happen now. Second scenario is, are we going to have a U-shaped recovery where we're going to go down and stay down for a while and eventually work our, our way back up to, you know, where we were before and continue to move upward? I've also heard talk of sort of a, what we call a Nike swoosh type of recovery where we go down and then the road back is a little longer even though it's moving in a positive direction. What I'm afraid of is a W-shaped recovery. And what I mean by that is we've had this crisis, we've had the impact, okay, we think we've gotten past most of it, the economy recovers, we've, you know, gotten back close to normal, and then we have a another outbreak or there's something else that occurs that having gone through that would get people even more worried and you have an even greater fall from there. So that's that's the thing I worry about. Wow. Because I was about to say you are a money guy. So at the end of the day, it's, you're not an opinion guy. You're not you're, you're not uh, the, the, the emotions. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you don't have a heart. But uh, it's, I, I was curious on if, if you think it's worth the experimentation of opening up impure financial money terms. But you're saying it could just end up with this W, so it's not worth it anyway. The lives lost, and, and the, it's the wrong way to, to start up an economy, perhaps. So that's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think that we have to explore ways to start opening the economy. But we have to do it in, you know, in the right ways. Like some of the reading I'm reading about in, uh, you know, in Georgia, opening gyms, uh, you know. Yeah. To me, that's, that's not the first place I'd open something. You know, I, I, I try to open up something that, um, you know, would be, I think, a little more critical to, you know, the output for a town or a city. Um, and it seems like something like a gym would, would actually be, one of the worst places to open up because that's where, you know, people are sweating and people are, are exercising. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think a lot of it has been, you know, planned or has been um, organized. I, I, I think that 
um, a, a measured approach to doing it and a close monitoring of the results is probably the first steps that we'll need to undertake in order to get back to normal or the new normal or whatever that looks like. You know, what what I get a lot of questions about is, okay, now we're, we're heading toward late April. Well, what does late May look like? What does late June look like? Yeah. At what point do we actually cross that line and we're back to normal? Well, in many cases, we're never going to be back to what we were before, but hopefully in most cases, we're going to be in a place where, you know, we can live and grow again. Huh. But um, you don't want us all moving in with you either. So we need money. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that, uh, you know, that as well. And <laughs> so, um, wait, wait. Again, okay. I, I hope that the lessons learned from, um, you know, the, the, the SBA program who, you know, just technically were overwhelmed and the banks themselves were overwhelmed. But the banks I've talked to, they're pulling people from all areas of the bank just to work on the PPP program because the number of applications and the amount of requests, the amount of time that the banks are dedicating to this is unprecedented. So, uh, okay, I'll, I'll fit it. Wait, so let me, I have questions for you that are very specific. These are for, okay. like, from social media, but for, for Georgia, by the way, I spoke to, um, uh, I actually texted with a doctor before I called you and I said, um, she, she's in Georgia. And I asked her, how do you feel about Georgia opening up? And she's affected financially as well. Um, and I won't mention her name, but she also caught the virus and she's a doctor and, uh, you know, she has to take time off because she can't go back to work. Uh, just, um, you know, because they want to be doubly, triply sure that she's OK to go back to work because there's that big stigma about, you know, people going back to work with uh, after the virus, even though they're negative. But um, she said, Georgia, she said, uh, as a doctor, um, I, I don't know about the opening of Georgia. Um, I'm worried what's going to happen, especially in Atlanta. And many friends are worried about it, too. So people in Georgia, you, you hear a lot on the news, people are protesting and they want to open up their states. But here you have someone in Georgia that they don't. They don't want it. They, they really don't want to open up their state. Okay, so you ready? I have questions. from. Okay, and these are, these are uh, real people. They might be nutty, but I love them uh, because uh, we're all nutty at this time, I'm pretty sure. I think we've all lost our minds, but uh, maybe not you. Um, no, no yeah, course. of course. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so this is from these are these are tweets. This is social media, but um, uh, a lot of uh, Fox viewers are on here, and this is from One-Eyed Jack fifteen. So he's at one uh, underscore eyed underscore Jack fifteen. He says, um, "I actually have a small business with uh, owners. I'm working with them um, with owners that have less than twenty employees, and they need help now." Unlike Ruth, Chris, and others, we can't get more debt. We can't take on more debt. And no lender will give us $100,000. Um, we'll be dead and lose our homes. Uh, I, this one I Jack lost $18,000 um, this month and 100000 in inventory that he can't deliver. What do you tell him? Well, you know... First of all, my heart goes out to him and his company and his business. But this, you know, the the payroll protection program, as well as you know, an emergency disaster loan, the EIDL. EIDL. Um, e yeah. We, e okay. 
which uh, was really capped out at 10,000, so may not have solved his problem. This is exactly the type of program that should be in place for a business such as his. Because, you know, being in his business and, and other businesses are time sensitive as well, is that, you know what, two weeks is too long, three weeks is too long. I need the money in the next couple of days or, or I am out of business. And that was what this program was designed to do. So they failed. Now, it the, failed. The, yeah, and the thinking is now, and, and again, it's in progress right now, and I'll, I'll be surprised if it takes more than a day, that the money will be available you know, to reapply to, um, if, if he has applied already, to his business bank, and, and hopefully the, the outcome will be a little... Um, a little quicker and more positive than it, than it was before, but that's a damn shame because this program is, is was set up and is set up exactly for that reason because a lot of small businesses don't have not only cash on hand but they have perishables, they have um, you know commitments to make that are that are time sensitive. That they don't get a second chance to right. to uh, to fund again. It's either you know then or or none. So hopefully you know with this second round um, he can he can find some money. So there is a second round here. So are you saying I talked to someone else, uh, uh, not a Wall Street guru such as yourself, but um, he, I think he thinks he is. But he said reapply, keep reapplying uh, until you get it. Is that a good good advice? Keep reapplying well, even though it's yeah, not opened up. There's two there's two uh, two sort of ways of thinking about that. Um, you know, reapplying, um, especially at the very beginning, people were reapplying because they kept changing what you had to put on the application, which was frustrating. Yeah. Um, the second part was that people were reapplying through different banks. So you know, you have many banks that are part of the PPP program. Um, and all of them had a, a, a bit of a different format as to what you had to fill out. Um, but they thought that if I, you know, sort of spread myself um, to a number of different institutions, I may increase my chances. Now, positive and negative. The negative part of it is if you do it too many times, you may get flagged for, uh, for fraud or you might get, you know, shut down because somebody thinks you're trying to take advantage of the system. I've heard that happen. Um, but secondly is that this is a fluid situation where more money is coming in, and the important part is to, wherever you've actually made your application to, get acknowledgement from that institution that they have your application. Yeah, that's another. Um, I gotta, I gotta find it. But that was another one. Um, I'll give him credit when I find it. He said, he he applied and no answer. Yeah, Did and, you- and that's and that's the way that a lot of people are finding, um, you know, their outcomes. So you know, what do they do? They apply again and they apply again, right? And they still don't get an answer. So even though the banks are inundated and they're sort of overwhelmed with. Uh, you know, with, with so many applications and they're, you know, frantic in terms of trying to, uh, um, you know, trying to service all of the people who are applying, it's really important to get some type of um, acknowledgement that they've gotten your loan. A lot of times when you apply, you might get a, a number back to you that says this is your loan number or you might get an email that says, 
you know, we've received your loan and we're in the process of doing this. But in best circumstances, you want to get the name, if you can, of a person or somebody you can talk to at a bank that knows where your loan is, knows what the situation is. And even though it may be one of, you know, 10,000 loans that they're looking at, at least you know it's there. Yeah. Uh, it, well, I mean, then they say go to your local branch. You call the local branch and uh, they're not open. So yeah, well, they're, they're not open. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of my experience, um, just by testing this out for a number of my clients, is if you go to the local branch and you talk to you know the branch manager or the loan officers there, they will separate themselves from the PPP process by saying, no, that's handled by another group. I don't have anything to do with that. Ugh. Okay. And what was the other one you said? The, the It was supposed to be $10,000 right off the bat, right? What was that? The... Yeah, that was uh, what the SBA, the SBA had as, a, as an emergency disaster loan. Emergency disaster loan, is that gone? Um, it's apparently still out there. I don't know what they have left. Um in, in terms of what they've given out for that amount, um, it's it's not really the the the, um, the program that people are focusing on. Um, what they liked about it is that the application was pretty easy and straightforward, and supposedly the money came pretty quickly. Um, but the bigger program, the you know the the PPP program, is the one that you know of the last couple of days has, has run out of money. And what uh, what other one? What other program should uh, people look at right now? Well, there's also um, for some of the bigger companies, um, you have uh, a Main Street lending program. If anybody were to uh, to Google that, um, but those are those are really for the larger smaller businesses to medium-sized businesses where, you know, the loans are, um, are generally of a higher amount, um, you know, uh, you know, in the millions and you have, even though you have favorable rates, you have uh, a little bit longer time to, uh, to pay them off, but they don't really answer the question for the company that needs, you know, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, right now just to stay in business yeah what's where what's another loan for that is there another one is there another no no not not uh not really outside of uh you know going going to the bank themselves and trying to get a line of credit oh boy okay okay here comes um this one is uh mall this is just a shout out from mall which is nice he's at uh f-e-t-t-235 he said another timely topic by the liberal sherpa so he's happy that this is timely so, uh, Matt, you're saving all of us. We appreciate your time, by the way. This will be a two-parter because um, uh, we haven't even gotten started, Matt. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to help. Okay. Uh, are you sitting down? Because uh, All right. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. 
I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. This is from um, Pandemic Don't Panic. Uh, it's at uh, Tribeca. Um, I can't read the rest of it. She's going to kill me, but it's Pandemic colon Don't Panic. And she says, uh, can you um, please, he wa- this is for you. Can you please address how companies like Shake Shack got the $10 million SBA loan and how Harvard got a $9 million um, uh, amount. Uh, Both have thousands of employees. How is this possible, especially Harvard that has over $40 billion in their endowment? Um, You know what? I, I am as outraged and upset at reading that and hearing about that as anybody else. And the real answer to a lot of that is is this, is that even though these are back programs, the banks make their fees off of giving out bigger loans, number one. Number two, these are bigger clients. So it's very easy for them to give this money right away to their bigger clients um, for the bigger fees and in order to keep that relationship going. Wow. It's, a, it's, a, it's as simple as that. It's... It's economics. Now, you know, the the banks may say, well, you know, we're here for everybody from, you know, the the sole proprietor up to the Fortune 500 company. But from the way it appears, okay, and I don't have the hard data except for hearing stories such as what you mentioned, where I hear, you know, 10,000 small companies who have applied, who have not even gotten an answer, who haven't gotten funding. Right. And then you hear about something like this where a bigger company who isn't really, a, you know, doesn't really qualify as a, as a small business anyway, but they're getting, um, you know, the loans. Now, a part of that is different than, you know, the actual money for the, you know, the SBA is that, you know, the banks can also have the, you know, they have the choice as to who they want to lend to. So, you know, it, it doesn't have to be through a government uh, program. If they have a company and a long-standing client that they want to loan money to, they can do that as well. But the ones that are getting it under the auspices of money that was supposed to be set aside for smaller companies, that's really where the outrage is. Wow. And, 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 you are, and you are seeing that. And again... So it is it, happening. Really, that is happening. When it, down, it, it, it comes down to, you know, the banks, it's easier for them to do. It's a lot of money to give away and the fees are bigger. Huh. So yeah, someone, I think someone mentioned that. Um, I, I have, I have about 30 qu- questions for you. I think someone actually came up with that theory that they, the banks want to, that they want to help the bigger clients. Okay. This is, uh, Dino. We've been, uh, we have a love hate relationship. We, I think he agrees with me half the time and he argues with me the other half, but here, uh, Dino, D I N O K 1975. He says, don't hotels and fast food chain employees deserve aid as their industries are trashed by this virus? 
He said, a buddy of mine owns a couple fast food franchises and was able to get the CARES loan, the C-A-R-E-S, CARES loan. Did he not deserve it if he owns a couple of food franchises? So it's uh, so he's saying, I guess, I guess the difference is corporate versus the franchisees, right? Well, yeah, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, what counts underneath a small business. So you can have a number of small businesses, but if you roll them up, it's all, you know, one, one big business. Um, you know, you may have 10 franchises um, and, you know, to whom should that money go to? Should it be to the sole operator or the person who has one or two locations or restaurants or hotels, or should it go to you know, somebody who may have 10 or, or 15 or 20? Now, I will make this argument that I think he's, he's right on, is that those types of jobs um, you know, in the service industry, you know, in, in the hotels and in the restaurants, um, those, to me, are, are the ones that are being just destroyed. So, in, in my opinion, any aid that goes to help the people who are employed or working or own those type of establishments, I'm, I'm okay with. Okay. Okay. So, a little bit of opinion from the money guy. Um, he'll be happy to hear you agree. So, uh, and this one, um, this was, this was, you already talked about this, but this is the one I told you, Robert, uh, he's at, uh, tops dusty. Um, he said, uh, he applied and he said, uh, can you at least give us a way to do a status update? Let me know you got it, please. So he's, you know, so, you know, great point. Just a stat, like stat, there is no status update. You can't go. Um, like when, when I order from, um, Jimmy John's that's, I've been supporting them, um, the, the sandwich place, they always give me, a, right. they give me updates, delivery, out for delivery, order received. So, uh, thanks banks for that one. Okay. Yeah, this that, is, that's, that's not at the top of their list of priorities right now. And, and yeah, not like Jimmy John's, you really either have to know somebody there or you have to be, you know, extremely, uh, um, uh, diligent in, in, in terms of, uh, of staying after it, but you know what? It's, it's worth doing it. Get an answer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Robert's trying. Um, okay. So then now you've got, uh, oh, wow. Another Robert. Look at that. A lot of Roberts, uh, Robert, uh, bear. He's, um, at R O row bear B E A R E, uh, 69. He said, um, uh, a few of us, uh, locally have gotten, um, aid. Uh, he knows a few businesses who have gotten aid here locally. He says there needs to be restrictions where larger businesses and places like Harvard qualify. See, this this Harvard story was big. He said, basing on cash on hand versus past revenues disqualify publicly traded companies from access to uh, any business with cash on hand that exceeds X month's cost. Uh, does, that, does that make sense to you? Like there should be uh, yeah, I mean, restriction, it, it, like yeah, like you were saying. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because you know the, the real key here for everybody is liquidity. It, it's having enough money to stay in business. You know, whether it be two months, three months, four months of of, of money to be able to um, handle you know your bills, um, be able to pay your rent, be able to pay your employees, and, and basically be able to stay in business without anything coming in. Um, and that's, that's the whole idea of this program is to um, provide this liquidity. Now, the better funded um, companies, um, whether they be large or small, 
may have, you know, four or five, six months of sort of emergency funds set aside in order to do that. And while I agree with, you know, what he says about, you know, companies who have a certain amount of um, cash should not be eligible for, you know, some of these programs, um, you know, for some of these, it's going to be very hard to say how much cash they have because they're, they're not going to be um, that forthcoming saying, hey, we have all the cash we want, so we don't want anything. Everybody out there is trying to weigh their options and trying to get whatever help they can get, even if they don't feel like they need it right now. So really drilling down on someone's balance sheet and saying, well, you know, you have enough money, so you don't get, um, you know, cash might be a, a, a you know, a, a tough, uh, a tough task. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, when you hear about the Har- uh, Harvard and the, uh, a cheesecake factory was another one uh, that uh, was in the news a lot because they, I think they applied for 50 loans and I don't know if it was a franchise thing or a, a corporate uh, got the money. So it's when you hear those stories, um, this one, this one's, um, this question is very important. I think uh, it's from Steve Hamrick and it's at Hamrick Steve. Uh, he actually um, uh, is a, a, I know a Fox viewer and has a family donut shop. They've had a donut shop for years. Uh, they had to close up. And this is a family, you know, this has been in, in the family for years. And uh, because they're non-essential, donuts are non-essential, which I think they are essential. Uh, but it says, first thing, when we closed up, we told all of our employees to sign up for unemployment. We're going to see if, as a business, we have to reapply. Can we reapply while the employees are getting unemployment? So is that us? Is that was that what he was supposed to do? Um, the employees are unemployed, and then after they can afford, if he can open up, open up again, and hire them back. Is, sure. Okay. Yeah, you know, you know, absolutely. If he, you know, depending on how he shut down, if he, you know, just closed the business and and put an end to it, but it sounds as if he shut for. Um, the time being with plans to reopen. If he has plans to reopen and he's shut down for right now, you know, he's, you know, on a furlough. He's he's out for three months or four months. He does not have a business um, operating during that time. His employees are unemployed because there's no company to work for. And, you know, at the time when hopefully he has the funding and he can open up again, um, you know, he can do that and rehire his workers. But, okay. I, but I think that okay. that advice to his workers that, you know, he knew he was shutting down and he wasn't going to be able to pay him is extremely responsible, extremely caring. And I'm really glad to hear he did that. Oh, Steve's a stand up guy. You know, uh, I, I've known about his donuts for, for a while now. So that, uh, that's, that's one of the best, uh, best things I've heard. I, I think he should be commended for that oh. because people, people are looking out for themselves and the, and the better, you know, even in, and see, that's the thing about a small business is that small businesses often become family. You're with these people all the time and you care a lot about them. That's why I think more so than in corporate America, it has such an emotional impact because we're seeing this every day in each other's eyes. 
Right. And that's that's the difference here. Right. And I, and and if 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 Steve's donut shop was right down the street from me, I would be eating donuts every single day, and and I don't care if I'd gain fifty pounds because I would want to <laughs> help him as well. I'd run extra. You know that. I'd run extra miles a day for donuts for Steve's donuts. But um, yeah, we all want to help out, but it's not essential. So we you know we can't we can't help. Um, Right? There's no way to say, is there a way for um, a donut shop to say they're essential or, or, or he had to shut down, right? Well, I mean, you know, in, in terms of staying open or not staying open, but there's no reason why he couldn't apply for right. aid in order to, you know, pay for, for his utilities or rent or pay for, you know, some of the ongoing costs of the business that are still going to be there even though he is not actually selling donuts. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, he, yeah, he knows, it's, like you said, people know their finances better than any anyone. They're not going to, you know, I don't, we don't know. Yeah, and, we don't know. And you know what? He had good foresight to say, you know what? I'm not going to get this uh, SBA um, yeah. um, payroll protection program, so apply for unemployment. It was a smart move. That's great. Okay. These, I always thought he was smart. Uh, well, maybe it was the donuts that was, you know, that, that just, uh, I just, I, I got to love a man who makes donuts. Um, I do. Right. Yep. And he's always up nice and early to watch me on TV. Um, so this is uh, Gregory Hall. He's uh, at U-O-M Tigers. And he just said, uh, I know um, some people applied and just didn't get any money because it ran out. So that's uh, that's how people, you know, he just wants to be heard that he knows friends that applied and money ran out. Uh, so, OK, this one here, this is up. This is actually a happy story. Ron Myers at D side S.I.D.E. 213. I received my PPP loan, but applied the first day my bank was taking apps. So he got it. He got his loan. Uh, small business owner. Uh, Ron Myers, he got it because the first day. So maybe being fast paid off on this one? Certainly did. I mean, you know, I know some people who got paid who you know, were in that, you know, it was really that Friday or that Saturday who were right away, but also others who, who didn't. So, um, you know, the money went somewhere. There are, there are you know, even, even though it's easy to focus on, on the negative and, and the um, and the struggle here, you know, there are some good things that come out of this. So I'm glad to hear he got that. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that I was yeah. so happy. I'm happy. I was like, oh, thank goodness. And All right, but very smart and diligent to, to be right on top of that right away. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I, I wasn't. I was uh I, I was just so busy um with my uh, coronavirus. I wasn't focusing. So uh, my own personal one. Okay, so uh, but that's off topic. That's uh that's for health matters with the governor. Um, you're my money guy. You ready? Matthew. Uh, okay. So Matt, okay. So now we got to get back, um, to not exactly happy news. This is Matthew, uh, Betley, Matthew at B E T L E Y. Um, this is all Twitter, by the way. So, um, he says, uh, I know at least one business owner where it didn't work. So I guess the PPP didn't work because the funds had not been replenished. He's losing a thousand dollars a day. So, so that's that i that's so believable right i mean small business yeah, yeah. i mean depending on on what their business is that's uh you know there, there's businesses that are losing even even more than that a day and uh it's it's tragic you know just to just to keep um you know a, a factory open or to you know pay uh, rent or pay utilities or pay uh you know for contracts that you sign you have to uh um 
you know, yeah. you, you, have, you have to keep paying those or, or, or they're, they're going to go away. And, and I'm not, I'm sad to hear that, but, but not surprised. And, and you know what, he's, he's not the only one, but again, that's what this was supposed to at least help mitigate. Yep. Okay. This one is, um, this one got a lot of attention, uh, on Twitter. Uh, this one was at C E, uh, Albanese, A L B A N E S E. He said, um, my sister owns a small business in St. Augustine and applied for the SBA loan on day one. Her bank recently informed her that her application is currently on hold because there is a lack of money. <laughs> which we discussed, but get this. So this is where you're saying people supporting each other, the good. Um, we just asked, someone asked, uh, tell us more about the business. Uh, you know, it's in St. Augustine and uh, it's in St. Augustine. And um, he said, uh, it's called Cafe del Hidalgo, H-I-D-A-L-G-O, located on Hippolyta Street. Uh, she took ownership of it two years ago. And it's called the website simply Augustine.com has um, a review of the Cafe de Halgo and it says it's St. Augustine's best gelato. So there has been a movement where um, we've got JG is JG. Uh, I am Brown 22. He uh, he said, I'm going to retweet this to my St. Augustine crew and they're all on notice. So uh, they've decided there's a crew of a bunch of guys, and I think there's about 17 kids in St. Augustine that are ready to support this gelato business when it opens. And uh, they actually wrote to the governor of Florida, and they're asking for, uh, right today, this was this morning in preparation for your uh, podcast, they've asked the governor of Florida if they can make gelato um, an essential. So, yeah. You know what? In, in, in Florida, you might get away with that. Right? No. And um, we we actually went to the website and a couple of us want to go to St. Augustine because she's got this like um, amazing gelato. And uh, so so we're all, um, we saw the menu online. So we're all picking out what we want to eat. So, yeah. So we're trying to make um, gelato essential in Florida. So uh, get the word out. I, I, I think that's wonderful. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, this is a very, very human condition um, that, you know, has people, like I said, scared, has them uncertain, has them, you know, fearing for a lot of different things. And the, the goodness in, in people, in, in banding together, in helping each other, in offering their time, um, in offering anything that they can actually um, do, um, there's going to be a lot of magnificent stories that come from this, um, as they usually are. And, you know, uh, again, just to thank the, you know, the frontline people who are out there, the nurses, the doctors, the, you know, the, uh, EMT, all of the health professionals who are, who are working, they're, they're heroic. And, right. and there's going to be a lot of, of, of good stories and heroes that come out of this, you know, even in the midst of all of this nonsense that we're hearing about, you know, monies that aren't coming, which, again, as I said at the, at the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, I'm fairly confident that there's going to be another round. And I'm fairly confident, I can't guarantee, because I won't guarantee, but I think it's going to be a better process than the first one. Well, it better be, right? Yeah, well, it can't be much worse. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's like, can you get worse? Like <laughs> like the other, I mean, if Jimmy Johns can tell me when my sandwich is being made, delivered, and at my doorstep, then I think the banks should be able to give us a status update. 
Jimmy John's can do it, right? And that's a turkey sandwich. Okay, but um, so that so that was from um, at ce albany underscore albanese. So if anyone wants to find out his sister's um, gelato shop, we got a movement on that one. Um, so uh, this one comes from James Martin. Um, he's at J Martin four two three four. He uh, he says I'm a twofold person. So his question is twofold, I guess. How come no stimulus check for SSI and vets? Uh, plus, how come my boss has not gotten a small business grant yet, the PPP? He applied back in March when it first came out and so far has um, has heard that banks don't have any money yet. So I guess uh, we know the PPP part, uh, why his boss hasn't gotten the money. But uh, what do you think? They forgot about um, SSI and vets. A few people have been left out of um, of prioritizing, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I, you know what? That's that's not not knowing any more of the details. That's probably exactly what happened. Is that at that time that that was due? You know, people fell through the cracks. They forgot about well, important they people. Fell through the cracks. They were they were overloaded. I mean, I've never seen banks that that I've seen you know of late. I'm thinking about four or five in particular where they are pulling people from every part of the bank in order to address this crush of loans. So you have, and you know, I think the bank, a lot of the banks are doing the best they can, but you have a lot of people who are being pulled from their regular jobs, who, who are being put into situations that they're not that familiar with. And I think some important elements such as that, um, you know, of, of, uh, of missing, you know, the, the PPI, and then you know the bank not getting money for the SBA. I you know I'm, I'm not sure how much I, I believe that because they they should all have gotten it. But um, you know it's it's a process that has never been really run before. Um, it obviously had its um, it, its cracks and its its uh, trials and tribulations, and hopefully. Now, going forward, we've learned by that, and the people who really need the money to keep this economy going, to keep our supply chains going, and to keep people employed and optimistic is going to happen. Um, okay, so I've got uh, two more. and that, that, okay. That's it. You ready? This is, this is it. Um, so this is from at TTLay1. So TTLE. IGH one, uh, she's she, this is for you. Uh, just uh, wondering with uh, business, if the business cannot pay and hasn't gotten the grant, would it make sense to file for unemployment until the grant comes through, or would that negatively impact the business? Should should they just wait? Um, no one's gotten paid at all. Uh, hope you can make sense of this question. Um, I, I, I would probably need to know a little bit more about the the company. Uh, are we talking about one employee, two employees, or, or um, you know, if, if it's a number of employees who let me see aren't you know aren't getting paid um, and don't anticipate getting paid, um, you know, unless there's a stimulus package or unless things open, you know, in, in the near future, um, you know, I think at this point you try to go for the money that's available. Okay. Um, because, because, you know, even if, 
they wait and say, well, you know, maybe I'll wait until I, uh, I, I get the grant. That may not come. Oh, okay, hold on. I got there's a um, I, I, I went through the, the messages um, and she sent a direct message uh, that said um, right before it said my kids own a, the business. So her kids own the business. They filed for the grant, but haven't heard back yet. They haven't gotten paid in a month. One is on as an employee while waiting um, or while waiting or retroactively. Can he file for unemployment that will will that affect the grant? So that's the problem. Do they they own the small business? They ask for the grant. They haven't gotten the grant. Do they go for unemployment? Yeah, that, that's you know that's probably a better question. To be honest, um, it's the same person. For, so the, yeah, but, for you know, I, I would think more for um, you know probably for an accountant um, or or somebody who who knows the, the labor laws on that. Um, in in my mind, if you know, you're not getting paid and you need money to live. You go for the money that's available. And then if at the end of the day you have to give it back or you get the grant and, you know, you do the right thing, then, you know, you're in a position to be giving the money away. That's the way I look at it. So ask for um, forgiveness, not permission, <laughs> which, which yeah. is one of my mottos. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. But, you know, it depends on... You know, if somebody's, you know, an owner, are they an employee? And, you know, depending on, and again, I don't know the structure of the firm. Is it a sole proprietor? Is it, um, um, you know, an LLC? Is it a partnership? Is it an S-corp? All that will depend on, you know, what and who's going to be eligible for unemployment. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so, uh, well, I think the advice is good. Go for it. Whatever's there. Um and then and then find out later if you did the right thing right because times like these we we're all gonna have to move in with you matt so i mean (laughs) if you don't help us with our money matters here we're we're, you're gonna have to give your address on the next uh podcast i will as as long as people uh, like bulldogs i have five bulldogs so uh do you really yeah i do oh my they're they're keeping me sane in these crazy times that's great I, i helped a bulldog rescue for about 10 years Oh, they're the best. Oh, they are. They're a mess. Those bulldogs are a mess. Um, Okay, so, um, oh, the final, final, final question is, um, this is from, uh, I have some Lebanese relatives. So this goes back to uh, people who love Lebanese food. Hannah's Mm -hmm. Kitchen um, in Florida. She uh, has a Lebanese restaurant. And uh, she was wondering, does she have to file taxes in 2019 in order to get the loans and the grants no, when no. okay no um what they're what they're asking for is your um your, your your most recent tax records which for most people if you haven't filed yet um you haven't filed 2019 you filed 2018 um and then they may ask for you know some current financials but they're not. Um, you're not required to have filed taxes for 2019. Okay, okay. Because she said she was asking um, her accountant, and um, she owns a, a restaurant, and the landlords, no one's giving a break. They're giving um, late charges to a lot of these restaurants that are trying to keep open. They're just trying to stay open, and yeah. uh, still getting the late charges. So well, you know, you know that's all well and good until the money runs out, and, and uh, you know everyone has you know. 
in a sense, everyone has to give everyone else uh, a, a bit of a break here. So I wish you the best. Okay, so you've saved a few small companies, uh, a few people's sanity. And um, any any parting words, any words of advice for those of us who uh, are concerned about the time frame? Um, should we look at Georgia and wonder what happens? Uh, yeah, or- you know, it would be interesting to see what comes out of Georgia. Not exactly what happens, but what people say happens, okay. um, which, which I think are two different things. It is, you know, this was successful, this was not successful. Because, again, you're dealing with people's emotions. You're dealing with something that um, is, is near and dear to people's heart is, is their economic security. And this, is, this has them very worried. Um, I don't know how much that's going to um, prove um, one way or another. But I think the reaction to it is going to give us some direction as to, you know, when are we next? What are our next steps in terms of, um, you know, reopening the economy? Um, I still think it is predicated on um, and should be predicated on, on health issues. And the last thing I want to see is, is, is a, um, you know, a sort of an all clear signal. And then we plunge right back into it again. Yeah, the W. You're saying yeah. the, the W. Okay, so you're uh, Matt, P-O-R-I-O, and we find you at financeiq.com? Is that where? Um, financeiq.net. Dot net. I'm so sorry. You you money yeah. money men are, are just uh, <laughs> money gurus. You're so complicated. Okay, yeah. so uh, thank you so much, and um, hopefully there won't be a part three where I'm asking you for your address, but if so, yeah. are you ready? Kathy, always, uh, <laughs> always a pleasure, always a uh, <laughs> Great questions. Um, again, I'm always uh, happy to be of, of whatever help I can. Um, you know, I know uh, I know what I know, um, and I'll admit I know what I don't know. Um, so anything that I've said, I hope for you know, hopefully, be uh, um, of uh, some importance and some value to you, listeners. No, no, you really helped me out a lot. I was thinking throughout the conversation, and I'm going to give up on uh, my media company. Uh, for the last 18 years, and I think I'm going to go into Bulldog Walking Services. Um, I'm currently looking for a client, so we could talk about that later. Well, I got plenty here. <laughs> Thank you. Talk okay. to you later. Thank you very much, Kathy. Thank you. Bye, Matt. Bye-bye. All right. So um, when all else fails, everyone, I think he lives in um, Connecticut, New York area. So if you want to go into the dog walking business, um I heard there's five bulldogs that need some attention. All right. I hope this helped out. And um, go to, um, well, I guess uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Aru Kathy, A-R-E-U, Kathy. I'll ask any questions you want. And um, you can go to pressreader.com to get the next issue of Catalina Magazine, believe it or not. So uh, we've got a big um, subscribership. There's over 7,000 publications Uh, So you can read about happy stuff and news from around the world at pressreader.com. See you next time or talk to you next time. Bye.